All right, well, good morning and uh, welcome to our continuing study in uh, Luke chapter 8. And as uh, our pastor was mentioning this morning that uh, we, we, we use the exegetical approach, just going through the Bible verse by verse, line by line, one book at a time, and we never miss anything. We might not understand all of it, but uh, we cover it all. And so we're in Luke chapter 8, verse uh, uh, starting in verse 40 this morning, and, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter. And of course, the, the close of the chapter is really just uh, uh, because of the editing of the publishers when they put these together. <laughs> There's really no, no hard line there. It's just uh, easy for us to find things that way, but... Uh, Anyway, today's uh, scripture takes us through the end of the of this chapter, and and the the we're at this point where the last or in our last lesson, uh, directly after the Lord and His disciples return from Gadara. Uh, remember, they went across the the Sea of Galilee, and He stilled the raging sea, and then He He got to Galilee and took care of one of His sheep over there that had the raging see in him and he stilled and calmed him and and the man was clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus and all that way for just one of his sheep boy he doesn't miss a thing he doesn't he doesn't leave one behind <clears throat> and he goes where he's needed so as we as we get to Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 40 today and we'll read we'll read through to the close And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named, uh, and we we pronounce it in English, the Jairus, but it's uh, in the Greek, it's Eros. And he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house, for he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. They, they closed in on Jesus. And, and, having a, and at the same time, in verse 43, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, <clears throat> Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. That's the title of our message today. Be of good comfort. Luke eight forty through 56. <clears throat> be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue, this house of Jairus, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole 
And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but she charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Boy, what an interesting passage of scripture we're in today. And there are just so many things in there that were valuable to the church. And one of the things that we're always trying to look for is and point out is what's the relevant application to us today, to the church, to the the sheep. And and boy, there is a lot in here. And so we find these two, just as we found in our last lesson, the the thing that was recorded about going in by ship across the Sea of Galilee and the raging of the sea was directly linked to what he was going to do, what the Lord was going to do when he got to Gadara. Uh, they were they were intrinsically linked. They weren't two just separate events that didn't have anything to do with each other. And then we find here two more events that are that are inter because it starts talking about one thing and then it goes to Eros and his daughter and then back to, they're kind of intertwined there for a purpose. And so we'll, we'll look at that. And so it came to pass that tells us here regarding these two sets of circumstances and people. And it's just no mere random happen chance, but it's the direct, the direct result of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Just as he went to Gadara for this one sheep, we find here is this this woman that we talked about, uh, and it's it's interesting to note as, as I was talking to Norman this morning that that as we often find in Scripture, when the Lord gives us the name of someone particularly, oftentimes it's used to point out some particular attribute of Him or something about the nature of man that that's valuable to the church. And in this case, we find out that Eros is a Greek form of the this Hebrew word, the Hebrew name, which means the enlightener. And uh, that the root word of, of his name is from the same... Uh, words that we found in Norman's lesson Wednesday night on the the golden candlestick about they would light the they would light the candles to get and the candles would give light and that was from uh, Exodus 25:37 thou shalt make seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light and that's the same give light is the same word that there's a root of this fellow's name and we know that Jesus is the one that gives us light and so it's describing an attribute of God and and we find that same word in Genesis the very first chapter of the Bible Genesis chapter 1 first uh, 1 through 15 let them be for lights in the firmament of, of the heaven to give light to enlighten upon the earth and it was so and uh, God said Light be, 
then there was light. <clears throat> so it's interesting this these these names and these words that give us some indication of what the Lord wants us to know and understand here. And and another another interesting word we find here in connection <clears throat> uh, with this study is uh, this woman that was had the issue of blood twelve years touched the hem of his garment. That word that word touch. You know I we th- in our modern vocabulary. Well, I touched the podium. I touched it. But in the Greek, it's it's much more definitive, and it's it it means to latch onto, to fasten onto. It means not just to touch, but it means to grab that and hang on for dear life. It means to fasten onto, and it's and it's also gives us the the sense of to set on fire, to kindle, to light. And we're, so we're drawn back to that, that light again. Uh, it's the same, uh, same word we found in Luke chapter 8, verse 16, where it says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel. Well, who does the lighteth the candle? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. When he lights a candle, when he lights a light in someone, they're supposed to give off that light. They're supposed to tell. Uh, he says, Go. Go and show what the Lord did for you. Is what he told that man uh, in in our last chapter from Gadara. He says, "Go, go back home and show what marvelous work the Lord has done in you." Uh, he's supposed to give that, reflect that light. Remember, that's from our lesson back in earlier, uh, hearing and seeing from the parable of the light and the the cover and and hearing and doing <clears throat> and and so. She, she touched him. She fastened herself on, and and then this light is kindled. Uh, it kind of begs the question: Who fastened on to whom? <laughs> really, uh, because it says the crowd thronged him. There was a lot of people touching him. There was a lot of people jammed up to him. It says they pressed on him. They they thronged him, and yet he said. I perceive someone someone touched me. Who touched me? And so who called who out of darkness and kindled this this light? Who who called who out of darkness into his marvelous light? Who kindled that fire, that light in this woman? Well, uh, that word kindle is kind of an or an originator word. It means the one that the the creator of it, the one that uh, a fire doesn't kindle itself. Uh, something causes it to g- generally be set on fire, uh, and and it's it's Christ the Lord. Now, these again, these two records are kind of interwoven, <clears throat> such as the example that we had from uh, the previous lesson on the Sea of Galilee, and and remember the words of the Lord when he they said, "Master, we perish," and he said. Where is thy faith? And he demonstrated his power, and and it was a pur- for a purpose of of growing their faith, a purpose of demonstrating who he was, and and it's a lesson to the church that you know these ones that were with him constantly, and yet their faith was 
you think, well, they would have the absolute greatest amount of measurable faith <laughs> because they they were with him 24-7 and saw him do all the stuff. And 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 yet we find uh, they're... They're just like we are. They're, they, they're in these, these, what's it say in Corinthians chapter five? We, we have these. We're in these vessels, these earthen vessels, <laughs> and we, we have trouble with that. So, some things to <clears throat> consider that have really important, relevant value and uh, application for the church to and to those whom the Lord is in the process of adding to the church. It's the same thing. The, the, the same gospel not only calls in his sheep, but feeds the sheep that are in the fold. <clears throat> this, this woman, she had an issue that was incurable by man. What a picture. We saw that picture in the Old Testament. Thy wound is incurable. Just a, a, what a metaphor of sin. And, and she had this issue 12 years, it says. That's a long time. She tried everything. And isn't that what we do in religion, in life? We try everything to, to try and do our own righteousness. And she spent all her money. <clears throat> How many times have we heard that? Uh, oh, they put a billboard up in California. You send all your money because the end of the world's coming and we need to, <laughs> so people sell everything and send all their money to some shyster and charlatan religious person. And it, she spent all her money. She sought the best physical help that was available, and it, and it was all to no avail. <clears throat> the issue she had was serious, and you know, according to Jewish law, she would have been considered unclean, yes. and she would have been required to be set apart. Uh, seven days, it tells us in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. Well, when it never ends, when does the setting apart end? <laughs> it just never does, you know. It, her uncleanness never ended. Isn't that, a, isn't that a picture of how we are in nature until the Lord reaches out and fixes us? What a picture of sin in our natural condition. And you know, anyone that touched her, the, it says, would have been unclean too. And so, can you just imagine the religious folks? <gasps> that woman touched him. How awful! If you would have known the kind of woman that you were, that was washing your feet. <laughs> Same thing. No one would have wanted her to come to them, let alone touch them. But God, who is rich in mercy. No doubt this this woman, like others we've seen in the scriptures, she she suffered maladies and you know and, and we look at that in, in life and we say who who did sin? This man or his parents that <laughs> he was born blind, like it says in John chapter nine. And and we look at things like that, well they, they must have been sinners or they must have done something to merit God doing that to them. But you know, we find out most of the time that it's for his purpose. As he said in John chapter 9, verse 3, he says, neither at this man's sin nor his parents that, that, 
but that the works of God should be manifest in him, made manifest. From eternity had been purposed that he would intersect with this this man, this blind guy. And everybody knew that he was blind from birth. And it was all to, to demonstrate a scriptural point that we're blind spiritually. And isn't that what he said in Luke chapter 4? Go and tell John that uh, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And and this is just another case of that. And we, we just say the same thing about this daughter of, of Eros who was Leia dying. And the same thing with Lazarus. We, we noted that uh, when they told Jesus that Lazarus lay a dying and and he waited around four days before he went over. They said, oh, he's been dead four days on purpose. It wasn't that he wasn't compassionate. It was according to his purpose from before the foundation of the world that he would go and everybody would know that Lazarus was so dead that he just stank. Don't go in there. You know what dead stuff smells like? It smells awful. And so it, there wasn't a shred of nothing left in him. He was dead, 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 and the Lord went in there and raised him to life. And then they want, then the religious folks wanted to kill him again. <laughs> I'd say that would be a bad plan because if he was raised once, <laughs> he just doesn't stay dead. Why would you want to do that to him and have him raised again? <laughs> that seems counterproductive to me, but uh, <laughs> that's how that's how off. The mind is in natural man in its enmity against God. It just there's just no reasonableness to it. So, but again, we find this daughter that lay a dying, and then she she did die. But God, who's rich in mercy, the Lord Himself, He says some special words to them, and to the woman with the issue. And to E.A. Rose, to, to, the da- to the woman, he calls her daughter. Remember our last lesson? Uh, they, that, they said, hey, we got this big crowd thronging you here. And your mother and your brethren are outside. And they can't even get through the crowd. They want to get up to you. And he says, they that hear the word of God and do it, they are my mother, and they are my brethren. <clears throat> and he, so he identifies spiritually as family, and we, we spent that whole lesson kind of examining that. And so now he, he calls this, this woman daughter. That's a familial term. That's a family word. Daughter, be of good comfort. <clears throat> and this woman, she sought out Jesus and latched on. She fastened on to him. She didn't just go up and touch that garment. She went up there and she she fastened on to him. So that word touches, uh, describes. Have it, she exhausted all the fleshly means? And she's finally at the appointed times that our pastor talked about last Sunday. The appointed times for her to meet the Lord, to hear his voice, drawn to the Savior 
by God the Father. Isn't that what the Scripture tells us in the, in John? No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. Something ha- something happened that caused this woman to. Nothing else could help her. Something drew her to the Lord. <clears throat> and you know what the best part of this is? She was. She had an awful problem. And it was an embarrassing problem. And it was a problem that set her apart. They, if you have that problem, you're set apart. You're ostracized. You, you're supposed to stay away from everybody. You can't touch anybody. And nobody can touch you. How, how awful and lonesome and miserable would that be? But you know, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And when they come, he says, I won't cast them out. I won't reject them. Can you imagine she would go to the priests? I have this problem. Don't touch me. Stay back. In fact, you're supposed to be away over there. <laughs> go away. <laughs> Rejected. But when you come to Christ, if He's drawn you, He's not going to turn you away. He's not going to reject you. He says, I will in no wise cast out. No way. <clears throat> No no man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Another one of those I wills that we read about so often in scriptures, the I wills of God. It's, it's written in the prophets, they shall be all taught of God. Every man that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. How How plain is that? how that works, how that happens. So the good news for the church, the relevant application for us is the good news of the gospel is that anyone who's heavy laden, who's burdened with whatever sin or care is bidden to come to Christ and He'll give you rest, the Scripture tells us. He says, if you come to Him, He no wise is going to cast you out. If anyone does come, you know, it's an interesting thing that in our unregenerate mind, we we don't we can't see or understand any of this. But after the Lord saves us, we know that that His our coming is rooted in eternal electing love, and we would have never have come. You know, we what we think is we're just reacting to whatever motivates us. We're just reacting. We're in a reactionary mode. We we get hungry. Well, we go eat something, and 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 all of our lives are spent in in that mode. And so we think that it's a a cause and then a, a reaction kind of thing. And then we find out that that really is true. There, there's a cause, <laughs> and that cause is found in Christ. And the reaction is we, we come to him because he has caused us to, blessed is the man whom thou chooses and causes to approach unto thee. That's what it tells us in the Psalms. So this, this fear of this woman was that if she approached openly in her condition, she tried to hide herself. She snuck up there and she latched onto that. He'll never notice in all this crowd of people that are just, groping and pressed up against him it says he says 
He knew. He caused her to come. And he, he pointed this out to her, not because he didn't know who it was, but he calls it out for her attention. And <clears throat> so this, this fear she had that if she approached openly, she would be rejected. The truth is that she is exactly representative of who Christ came to save. <laughs> she is just the picture of it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. He didn't come to call all those people that didn't have an issue that were just there to see him do some magic or some interesting thing. Or just so they could say, were you over at the coast where Jesus was? I was. And, and You know, our, when we get into the next chapter, he feeds the 5,000. And and. Later on, he says, you know, you just came because you wanted the free food. You didn't want the spiritual truth that went along with it. So anyway, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but this is just so much stuff there. You know what? He already knows our issues. That's one of the blessed things about this lesson. Is we, we think we can hide stuff from Jesus from the Lord, from the God who knows everything. In one of our previous lessons, everything is naked to Him with whom we have to do. He knows all. We're not going to surprise Him with some, oh man, I hope He didn't see me do that. (laughs) He knows all of our problems, all of our issues, all of our sins, all of our burdens. And you know, we'd just rather get beat up than take them to him. And we'd just rather get beat up than say out loud just to him. We don't have to confess it. Like this woman, she, when, when he called her attention to it, she declared openly in front of all those people, I had an issue of blood 12 years. I shouldn't even be here. But something made me bold. Something made me courageous. Something made me, something drew me. Remember how powerful that word is, that drawing, that, that they drew when, the, when he says, cast your net over on the right side and get ready for a haul. And they tried to draw that net in. It was so heavy that it was like tipped the boat over and broke the net. They were, they were having to pull on that pretty darn hard. That's that drawing power of the Lord. He knows all of our... So when we come to Him, He knows all of our our issues. And He said, Who touched me? Who fastened on to me? The very one that I fastened on to from before the foundation of the world. Not that He didn't know, but for that purpose of that woman who was to know that her secret... It was not only known, but it was dealt with. As soon as she, as soon as she fastened on to Jesus, her problem was, was gone. <clears throat> she who was far off and had this issue of blood was now made nigh by the blood of Christ. Isn't that an interesting corollary there? She had a problem with blood, and blood was the very thing that, that took care of her problem. 
And Jesus says two important words here in, uh, let's see, In verse 46, he said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. <clears throat> this word perceive, I, uh, we, we think in our, in our modern day language, when we perceive something, we think it's something that we, we, it's defined as to understand by or become aware of something by or through the senses, through uh, touching or smelling or seeing or hearing, and and uh, but it's it's a much more valuable word than that. <clears throat> In the biblical sense, this this word perceive is the Greek word gnosko, and you might be more familiar with it as found in. In John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's that same word, perceive. He, he didn't just say, huh, I wonder who touched me. It's a, it's a word that means to know absolutely and intimately. I know them and they follow me. And this term virtue, it likewise has a different understanding now compared to then. We think of virtue in a moral sense, a moral quality. Oh, that, that person's virtuous. They don't do anything wrong. That's, we think of it in, that, in those moral terms. But in the biblical sense, that word is, is the Greek word dunamis. And it talks about power of the Lord. And we find that word in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his dunamis, his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This, the working is the application of that power. But the power speaks of Christ. His, the greatness of his power. So when we read that, if we apply those definitions to that, Jesus said, somebody has fastened on to me and I know absolutely, intimately, that power, almighty power has gone out of me and what did it do? It's that we believe according to the working of his mighty, almighty power. <clears throat> so we see from start to finish the hand of almighty God in everything to do with this, this woman. And, and <clears throat> it's, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, of our total reliance on Christ for salvation. And more important words for those who are drawn to Christ and salvation, for those who have already had Christ revealed in them, he says, daughter, 
that, that family relationship he calls her now. She's not just woman. She's, she's now she's daughter. Be of good comfort. And he says, thy faith, thy total reliance on Christ hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Peace with God through Christ. The, the words be of good comfort are, when we look them up, they're more than just words of platitude. Uh, we always say, oh, Lord bless you. We always say things like that. Hope you have a, a great, wonderful day and all those kind of things. But he says, be of good comfort. And more exactly, those words mean to have courage and they come from a root word which dictates a sense of boldness and daring. Isn't that interesting? He says, don't be afraid. You have an issue, be bold. Bring, that, bring your issue to Christ. Have courage. Like this woman, she was degraded, she was ashamed, and, and she was so tired. Can you imagine that worry all the time, that stress of having to deal with that all the time? And 12 years is a long time. And, to, and all the social repercussions of it, all the religious repercussions of it, all the money she spent, all the, everything that had to do with it. Be bold. Bring your issue to Christ. Hebrews tells us that very thing in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We'll find that very counsel from the Lord. In Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that it's all the time. That's, but I just love that lesson on the fair mitre. Every day, we need when his his mercy's new every day, and you know why it's new every day is because every day we need it. We need new. We need it. Whatever our condition, whatever our need, the grace of God in Christ, it's always the answer. None of the other stuff. Now, tied in with this narrative of this woman and the exercise of her faith, we have a record of Eros and his coming to Christ with the issue of his daughter who was sick unto death. And we'll hurry through here because we're getting to the end of our time here. But he came to him and, and we find a little bit later in Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, without total reliance in Christ, it's impossible to please him, that's God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. Now this Eros, he exercised a, a, a bit of that in, in coming to Christ. He fell down and called him, my daughter's dying. She lay sick to dying. And, and he must have believed that he could have helped. Otherwise, he wouldn't have came to he had to have that level. But 
you know what we find here is that in the case of Eros and the disciples, their faith was limited by a physical view of the circumstances around them and, and not according to the view of the Lord God Almighty who is limited by nothing. Almighty is not just a kid catchphrase. It's not just a clever thing to say. or, or It's the truth. He's almighty. And you know what the Lord said to him? Fear not. Can you imagine the, the fear? We've all had family that's been in this condition or sick that we, we thought that might be a possible outcome and, and our hearts are just breaking and we're afraid. But in this spiritual picture of how we are in nature, it's fear not, believe only. That's all he says, believe only. And we know that we can't even do that on our own. And when we pray, we don't even know how to pray as we ought. <laughs> he has to help us with that too. We're so frail. So, so it's interesting here we see the, the different levels of faith are brought to our attention in this passage as an, an opportunity to grow in total reliance on Christ, to grow in faith, not only for Eros and the disciples, but also for the church. These are written for our admonition, for our growing, for our learning, and and they're not just Bible stories that we would throw up on a flannel graph to entertain someone for a little bit. They're, they're, they're there for a purpose. You know, verse 49 through 53, I'm not going to read them again, but it just shows what happens when we only look with physical eyes and not with the eyes of faith. <clears throat> Too late, she's dead. Too late. That's what they told Jesus when he went to Lazarus. Too late. He's been dead four days and he smells bad. That guy on the funeral buyer coming out of Nain. Too late. He's dead. Can't help him. <clears throat> You know, do we do we say that same thing about ourselves or others that we know? Can't help that one. <laughs> Too late for them. No possibility there. That's what my brother used to say about me. <laughs> I remember when I told him, I said, well, the Lord just let me know that he's saved me. And he says, just a minute. And he put his hand over the phone, but I could still hear him. And he, he says, honey... The last guy on earth just got saved. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He'd give up on me a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, it's just another a lesson for the in faith for the disciples in the church because you know in verse 53, they just came from Nain where he raised that guy off the funeral buyer. They just saw him do all kinds of stuff. And verse 53 says, They all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And you know who that was? That was Peter and John and James and the mother and the father that were he loud in the room. And when he said, She's not dead, they all they all laughed at him. And and they just we have these we're just contained in these earthen vessels. 
And we struggle with that. And He uses times like this to help us to grow in trust and faith in Him. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Where is your faith? That's what he said to those disciples there in Luke 8, 25. And and in closing, we're just going to... Kind of our closing statement here is, you know, the resolution of our issues depends entirely on the object of our faith, which is Christ, and not in the measure of our faith, which is weak. He said, if you just had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you, it would be so good. We have, we have to depend on the faith of Christ, is what it tells us in the Scriptures. We have to depend on His faith. Because it says, I believe... Help thou my unbelief. Mark 9.24 So, usually we say be free at this time, but today we're saying be bold. Come to Christ with your issues, and then you'll be free. So we'll stop there, and thank you for your attention. Next time, Lord willing, we'll be in Luke chapter 9.